I think we all in at some point in our life will hit something that will hit us so hard that we don't know what hit us. Uh, all mm. of us will have it to some level. It's not a competition. It's never about, oh, you think you've had it bad. Let me tell you about my story. It's not about that. Everybody will go through something like that. Yeah. And in that moment, you have a choice to either do something with that or to stay there and to say, this happened to me because something that's out of your control or it's unfair. Life mm. is unfair sometimes. It sucks. It's not always nice. So what yeah. would you do with it? So I, I like to believe I did something that's... Uh, positive for that and I'm, uh, I'm having a good time it's innovative i can say you know i think a lot of us get get bound by these things you know a bedding ring can be a very strong emotional connect to something mm. which happened mm. in the past and you you're using that to Guys, welcome to the We Transform show, a show where we meet real life transformers and know their stories in the first person because we feel everybody can transform and there is no right or wrong time for transformation. Today, our guest is Yuri, who is joining us all the way from Singapore. He is the guy who sold his wedding ring to buy a camera. Wow. More on this later today. Yuri is an international innovation facilitator and an avid YouTuber. After having lived in United States, China, UK for almost half his life, Yuri set up the magic sauce in Singapore in 2013. Over the past decade and a bit, he has worked on numerous challenges spanning from new product development across Asian emerging markets digitizing traditional manufacturing in Europe to building systematic innovation cultures around the globe. In today's episode, we know about his life and his biggest transformation. We will know some secret tips to create captivating videos and we will learn some cool hacks on effective virtual facilitation. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Yuri to the show. Yuri, welcome to the show. Ah, look, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And, uh... Just for the people watching this, we both wore a jacket just for today. It's the festive season. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. So let me tell you guys, there's something very special about our connection. And this is how it started. We connected in August this year and it happened just after a Google search. So what happened? Because uh, all the facilitation which I was doing, all the workshops I was doing, just stopped after the whole lockdown and I was uh, really looking for some very interesting activities to do on a virtual world, you know, a virtual facilitation. And I googled and I thought I'd learn from the best guy out there. And guess who I found? I found Yuri over there. He was telling us about some amazing energizers and that's how I found Yuri. And one more thing, I learned a lot from you, Yuri. I learned about facilitation tips because you're an awesome facilitator. I learn about how to create videos, all those guys who wonder and keep asking me where I get all these tricks of doing good videos, the man is here. So I'm so happy that you're here. This is a very special day for me. Thanks, thank you so much for everything, Yuri. You're, you're making me blush. That was a, that was a beautiful introduction. You've really, uh, really hyped it up there. See, I'm, I'm getting uh, in the face. <laughs> <laughs> all from the heart, all from the heart. Lovely. Okay, so let's get started. And I have a lot of questions to ask, but the first question which I am going to begin with is what is the magic sauce? How have you got this name? What does it mean? Uh, I've always worked for companies with funny names somehow. Okay. 
I, uh, mm-hmm. I worked in a company called What If Innovation, which is all about asking the question, what if? I worked for a company called I Will Not Complain, which is all about leadership and breaking barriers and, and team building. Uh, I worked for a company called Propellerfish, which is run by one of my friends. So I thought, hey, if I'm going to start my own company, it can't be a normal name. It can't be like okay. whatever, JPFS Consulting Private Limited. <laughs> that would be boring. So I went for a different name. Mm-hmm. Um, the Magic Sauce, I don't know exactly how I came up with it, but I thought the Magic Sauce was a cool name because, so I run innovation projects. Uh, what that mm-hmm. usually means is clients will have either a problem or they want to do something new and different. They want to shape a new new future. Uh, maybe something is working in the business. Anything that requires creative thinking on business challenges. The reason I call it the Magic Sauce is because I used to tell clients, we're not here to change everything. What we're just here to do is spice stuff up. That's the magic sauce. Mm-hmm. The magic sauce is, is a little pizzazz, a little, a little bit of magic you pour on top of strategy, insights, ideas, and execution, which are kind of the four okay. main pillars, the most innovation projects. That's why we call it the magic sauce. So it's, it's, a, it's a fun name. The logo is a little bottle because mm-hmm. um, it's something that you can bring to any project. You can spice things up. You can uh, ask different questions. You can come up with different solutions. And to do that, you need a bit of... Um, Bit of magic sauce, a bit of pizzazz. That's why I call it magic sauce. Incredible. I guess the name itself, uh, you know, builds up curiosity. You want to know more about it. And uh, no wonder you have so many followers on YouTube and different channels. So fantastic name. So let's get started with your story, Yuri. Uh, if I say where your story began from, what was the beginning of your story? Because I know that you have spent a significant amount of time in China, but I want to know from you where it all started. Let's, let's know that. It started in a small town in the Netherlands in 1977. <laughs> I was born in the <laughs> Netherlands. I'm a, a full-time Dutch. I always say that I'm from the Netherlands. People say, are you from Holland? I go, no, actually, I'm from the Netherlands, which is okay. a little bit different because Holland is a part of the Netherlands. I'm from the south. So technically, I'm from, from Holland. So from the Netherlands, I come from a, an entrepreneurial family in a day and age where entrepreneurship not that it wasn't a thing. I don't think people used the word and I don't think it was a cool term. I don't think it was a, people wanted to be an entrepreneur. My, my dad mm. just happened to work in a family business, work for himself. Um, my mother was an artist and she taught arts and crafts. So from home, I got mm. this kind of, I guess the, the, the matters and measure, I like to call that. So mm. the measure is the business side of things, kind of the, how do you grow something? How do you set something up the, the rigor of how you get things done? And the madness came from the creative side, which, you know, I got from, well, both of my parents, but that's a combination mm-hmm. I got from home. So the creative and, and the structured, and those together are a perfect breeding ground for innovation, innovative thinking, and doing things in new and different ways. Um, so wow. my brother, both my brother, and my sister live abroad. So my okay. brother has been living in Czech Republic for more than 20 years. My sister was in Indonesia for more than 20 years. So it's very. Even in my hometown, it's quite uh, odd that all three kids moved so far because I, I moved to China. I was an interpreter translator a long time ago. I studied Mandarin. Um, it was a bit odd for a lot of families to have all these kids growing up abroad. But because yeah. we, we, we grew up traveling so much with our parents to different places. And when I say traveling, I don't mean like beach resorts and stuff. We'd go to mm-hmm. now former Eastern European states. And you know, not all the, all the trips were very sexy. They were just... You know, we went along a business trip. So my dad was a truck driver and, you know, we went along to different places. And I guess mm-hmm. seeing a lot of the world has brought us to different, different places. Uh, wow. Studied Mandarin because I wanted to do something different. I was going to be, a, I grew up wanting to be a rock star. 
Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I, I, I remember I used to tell my mom, of course, I don't know where you wanted to be when you were eight, nine, 10, but I was like, you know, I don't, I don't like school. I don't like people telling me what to do. I'm, I'm going to play in a band. I'm going to play music. And by the time I'm like 18, I'll like, I'll sign my name on somebody's guitar and I get like a million dollars. And my mother was very sweet. My mother said, look, that that's great, sweetheart. You know, that's lovely. You have that dream. Um, yeah. But just in case, you know, you two don't call you or just in case the Red or Chili Peppers don't invite you to play with them, why don't you get a degree anyway? Why don't you just get a diploma because we still live in a world where you need to, you know, tick a box. So I studied yes. Mandarin because Mandarin is a bit different. I studied Mandarin for international business and trade. And that took me to China. I got a scholarship, full scholarship from the Dutch and Chinese embassies and uh, moved to China. I was going to stay for six months, stayed for almost 15 years. My first wow. job, my first job, of course, when you moved to China in my early twenties, my first job, of course, was a DJ. I played in a bar as big as half this room and I got paid mm -hmm. free drinks and food. And that's kind of how I got stuck. And then years later, um, when SARS hit Beijing, remember SARS 2003? Yes. SARS, yes. I was working, doing like freelance jobs, odd jobs left and right. And everything stopped because of SARS and one of my roommates had a job as in he got paid, even though he was at home. So mm. I decided to get me one of those things. I was decided to let's, let's get a job. And I started working in a small consulting company in Beijing, training and consulting. And I worked mm -hmm. with some beautiful people who had years of experience because we, you and I connected a lot of it is over facilitation. I worked yes. with some great people who were great facilitators and I kind of learned learn on the job. I was just, I didn't know what I was doing. And I had some lovely mentors that told me all about what is facilitation, what's instructional design, how do you manage discussions? How do you open up a conversation? How do you bring it back in? How do you inspire thinking, experiential mm -hmm. learning? That's how I got started with kind of facilitation. And fast forward a couple of more years, uh, I was approached for a job in, in at that time, the biggest independent innovation agency uh, in the world. And I, Moved to London, moved from Beijing to London, then from London to mm -hmm. Shanghai to set up part of the team. Not, not really, okay. I didn't set up the office, I just set up part of the team over there. And I worked in innovation. I started working on these projects, which suited me perfectly because they were all about the rules don't apply anymore. Let's break them. You know, let's ask different questions. Let's poke holes and say, why do you do this? And mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense. And I got, right. paid to, I got paid to go against the grain. I got, you know, I got paid to have a bit of fun and come up with new and different things. And, um, that's, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I was going to work for myself. And I said, let's start up my own agency. And I called it Magic Sauce. And I still work like seven years later, I work with a group of friends. This year has been super quiet, of course. But yeah. you work with a group of friends I've been working with for over 10 years. We don't work for each other. We work with each other. We're a group of people who run tons of projects all over the world. That's what I we guess, do. Yeah, I guess this is the best way to call your venture uh, a group of friends and you work with each other, you know, that, that's so important uh, mm. because that, that lay the foundation of innovation in the first place because you have the liberty. By the way, you asked what I wanted to become when I was 10, 11 yeah. years old. I was clueless and I've been clueless for a lot of time in my life, you know, <laughs> till I till I figured out something by experience that I'm loving it and I just ticked on something. So, so, so wait a minute, my... if, if somebody were to ask you when you were nine, like, what do you want to be? Do you know how teachers ask you that question? What would you have said? Yeah, I used to just, I found that somebody uh, from somebody that, you know, they all kids say, I want to become an astronomer. So I all, always said that, you know, I also want to become an astronomer. It was nothing in the head, you know, <laughs> just because 
everybody was saying something yeah just be in the crowd so that's that's how i have been so yuri that is incredible because i guess very early uh, you were a little rebel from inside you did not wanted the conventional education you did not wanted that uh, to go go ahead and do what is normal and you chose mandarin you uh, completely moved on to china so i guess your first transformation came right there because it was something you were different uh, you wanted to do something very very different yeah. right uh, now if i ask you what has been the biggest transformation for your life what has been your changing moment uh, what would that be I've, oh, I've had a few. I think I've had changes. I think everybody goes through changes as is normal, uh, whether you call them big or small, or what is mm. big to one might just be small and unimportant yes. to somebody else. I think my biggest transformation came uh, because is it like it's a sad story, but it has a good ending. So I, I lost mm -hmm. my mother about ten years ago, which is roughly oh, about this time. It's just before Christmas. So Christmas okay. is always a bit bittersweet because it reminds me of that. My mother had a, a, a random accident. Oh. Literally, that's it. She uh, she had a uh, an aneurysm on a random day. She was she wasn't oh, ill. Yeah. It just happened. So I flew back for that one, and uh, it was two thousand nine, uh, Christmas two thousand nine. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, so I used to fly back uh, every now and then for to visit my family, go see my dad because my brother and sister we all live abroad. And mm -hmm. two thousand fourteen, my my dad is then diagnosed. It's five years later, four years later, then he's diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh, and okay. and it's not a you know, at the beginning you go, well, are we sure it's terminal? Is it not something we can do? Maybe let's, let's go for a second opinion and whatever they done. Mm. And it was, it was pretty, pretty set. It was like, look, we can wish upon whatever stones and sing songs and whatever you want to believe in, but modern science says that it's got about nine to 11 months. So we okay. all travel, we all traveled back the entire year mm -hmm. to look after him, which is that's what family does. So we took turns. Yes. So my brother's in, uh, in Czech Republic. So we drive over a couple of weeks. I would then fly over from Singapore. My sister mm. would then come over from Indonesia back and forth. And we had this whole schedule because mm. the whole thing was, look, even though it's terminal cancer, we want to make sure that he, that nothing's going to change that, but let's make his last months here as comfortable as possible. And yes. so nice little side story to that one, because my dad asked the doctor, which actually I'm very glad with a very, pragmatic, very Dutch doctor. And I think my dad mm -hmm. asked, oh, can I eat? I don't know what it was like, am I allowed to eat this and this? And the doctor said, um, I hate to tell it to you like this, but it doesn't matter, which is very, oh. which is very, which is kind of hard in a way, but also yes. kind of, you know, why would I now restrict what you eat? It's not going to, you eat whatever mm. makes you happy, right? Well, yes. If you, if you pack on a couple of pounds, it doesn't matter. So we were, we were flying back and forth. So we had a couple more months to live. And midway the year, I found out, so I was married. I was found out that I found out that my partner was having an affair with somebody I knew very well oh. for six months already. So this is not like a one-time thing. This is, so there's a lot going, coming at you. Um, mm. I found out the affair. Um, he also had a relationship. They walked off. They basically packed up and, and left. So I'm there by myself. Okay. Uh, which is not a fun place to be. So I've now yeah. got, I've now got time to, and I need to look after my dad and I can't tell my dad. I remember, yeah. I remember because I literally remember thinking if I tell him it sucks, if I don't tell him it sucks. So pick yes. one. So mm. I didn't, I didn't tell him and it went on for a while and I couldn't tell him. So I'm, I'm carrying this, this pain on the inside. Mm but I'm having to show up for him, right? With all my energy going like, come on dad, you know, let's, let's get going. This is a good day. 
So all these things are happening at the same time, which is very, you know, you go through anger, sadness. Anybody who's been through trauma will know this. You, you go get pulled inside. If it happens, you know, get pulled inside because you're not ready for this. Nobody is ready for something. Oh, no, it, it hit me like a, like a train wreck because people, of course, ask, well, did you not see it coming? And how was the relationship working? Mm. Uh, by the way, one of the things I hated the most that people assumed it was me. Like people assume that I did something. That's why she walked away, right? Which is okay. very annoying. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you get pulled in different directions. And there's a lot mm -hmm. going on because you're trying to keep together, your hold together your relationship, but she clearly didn't want. And I can't tell my dad. So I'm building these walls between different personas. I'm playing different mm -hmm. personas because when it comes to my dad, I have to be the son. And as he's getting weaker and weaker, I need to be stronger and stronger. I'm the youngest yes. one at home. So what that means okay. is particularly to me, my dad has, more, I think he had more of a needing to show that he's in charge because I'm the youngest one, right? Okay. My brother's sister may be a bit different, but with me, even though I'm old enough, I'm an adult, it's his mm -hmm. father and son kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to hold it all together. Um, and then dad passed away. It was, we saw that one coming. So yeah, this last so many weeks. And okay. by the way, he found out. So he found out about the affair. And he oh. told me, he said, he said, why didn't you tell me? Well, because of course he's like, so what's going on? There's something is off like that. And he's, mm -hmm. he told me, why didn't you tell me? And I said, cause again, if I told you, it would have sucked. And if I didn't tell you suck, I way, well, you should have told me. And I told him, I said, dad, you told us, you taught us our entire life that we need to be our own man. That means you make your decisions. I made mm. a decision. Right. Whether you like this or not, you told me this, you yes. always said like, yes. make a decision and just, and just just go with that, have, take responsibility. So wow. did that. So that passed away almost, almost to the day, five years after my mom, interestingly. Um, and then I think there was the first time I kind of, I don't want to say fell apart, but I really, I felt this, this weight on one side falling off me and the other hand, I was feeling like I couldn't breathe. And this whole thing was because now all the reality kicks in, right? Yes. What now types? Well, I, I wallowed a bit in self-pity, which is uh, interesting because, mm. right? Like why me, you know, why is this happening to me? It's unfair. Uh, mm. And it, 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 yeah, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at self-pity apparently. So I kind of say that. of us, no, I guess most of us suck at it. No, self-pity exactly. is terrible. And it's not, it's not, the reason, the reason I hate self-pity and I'm being very rational here, the reason I don't like self-pity or I hate seeing it on other people. And not, I don't look at it with blame. I look at it like it's so disempowering because once yeah. you believe you're a victim, you, you, you're not giving away all the, all the responsibility and you're giving away the power. So yes. fell into a gap, didn't do anything stupid. I, you know, I didn't go after anybody. I didn't take drugs. I didn't, you know, try to commit suicide. I wasn't that. I was just very sad, right? very, mm. sad, very tired. I was very, very tired and all these things kind of came over me. And, um, I told you, I wallowed in a bit of self-pity for a while, like why me? And one day, somebody asked me out for lunch, uh, okay. and he didn't know what was going on. So this okay. is somebody I only met three times. And mm -hmm. this person <coughs> basically found out what was going on, and he stood up, and he was like, you need somebody in your corner. And I'm, of course, a typical guy, and because the way I'm raised, I'm like, I can do this all by myself. And he basically mm -hmm. was like, why do you got to carry all this weight when you're like that? I'm like, just come on, let's do stuff. And um, started... Having some activities, I, I started training, so I got a lot fitter really quickly, which in the beginning mm -hmm. I wasn't hungry, so I lost a lot of weight really quickly, but then I was like, well, this is not healthy. So I started exercising. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying this is a, it, has an, it has a happy ending because I looked at it for a while as everything is broken. Yeah. And then I switched it. I was like, well, 
it's a clean slate. Like I have nothing to worry about. And it sounds very hard when I say this, but my parents are no longer around, so I don't have to look after them anymore. Yeah. And I feel bad saying it because it feels a bit selfish. But what it means they're physically no longer there. So that that's it's hard to say. It's a worry of me, but it's I don't need to look after them anymore. I've I've done my part. I it's reality for it's reality. It's the reality, yes. Half, right. half, half of the people I thought were my friends have disappeared by this point because it all gets weird in these kind of situations. So mm -hmm. I've got nothing to lose. At this point, I have nothing to lose. I'm like, okay, let's start a new game and let's do it better. So what you then do is, and I forgot the name, there's this beautiful analogy of it. It's a Japanese word where if, if a ball breaks, have you ever seen that? It's, it's a, certain, a certain art where basically if a ball breaks, they seal the cracks, they put it back together, they seal the cracks with gold. So rather than looking at something as unbroken, you heal it with something that's even better, right? Wow. So starting to do that, and I metaphorically, you see all the, all the, all the I guess all the shards of glass around you, the metaphorical mm -hmm. shards, and you go, do I want to keep everything? Let's, let's get rid of a couple of things. Let's get rid of some bad habits. Mm -hmm. um, let's adopt some newer habits. So I got super fit. I lost 25 kilos, started running, started boxing, doing all these other things. So I was already fighting a bit, but I did a lot more. So I got physically very fit, which by the way, changes your mental state instantly. It does, yes. Because of that, I changed my entire wardrobe because I had to, because I didn't fit anything I had anymore, which again, mm. psychologically helps because that is kind of saying goodbye to a past you. Yes. I got new shampoo, new fragrance, new this. So you're, you're, you're basically building a new persona. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned about humility and the reason is, and I, we talked about this the other day, humility, a lot of people say that they're humbled. Uh, you see people mm -hmm. sometimes on LinkedIn, they say they're humbled to win an award and I'm happy for them that they win an award, but humbled is sometimes misplaced in that context because humbled comes from the word humus, which means earth and mm -hmm. humbled. If you're humbled, it means you're going down, like you're falling on down. the earth. And, and anybody who's been a boxer and particularly in fighting, they will know what humbled is. Humbled means that you're going down, you're down to the ground. And it's in these situations where you lose your control, where you lose things you have, where you feel like everything around you is falling apart, that's when you get humble and you get very, very humble very quickly. You've quickly figured out who's important, who's not. You quickly figure out who is there for you, who's not. And you learn, you learn to, um, you find out what you're all about. I like to say character is something that that's left when everything else is stripped away. You strip away somebody's title, money, the cars, all the, all the BS sometimes, you mm -hmm. strip all of that away. What's left? What's left when you're all by yourself, right? All by mm -hmm. yourself in your mind. You've got, and you feel like you have nothing else. That bit, what you have then, that's character and as grit and as resilience. And then you build on that. And so I'm very happy. What I'm proud of for myself, and I don't need to put this on LinkedIn, what I'm proud of for myself is that I realized I can take a beating and can get back up. That's good which means other people can do the same and millions before me have done it. Yes. Yes. Um, and then it's all about what you do with it. So fast forward a while. So you get more confidence, new, new year, new me, that kind of thing. In my case, it was quite literally. And from mm -hmm. the humility, you learn appreciation for other people around you, appreciation for yourself. Uh, I think it puts a lot of things into perspective and I hope I came out of it a bit kinder, a bit, a bit more humble, a bit more creative because of what I did with creativity. I told you about this, right? So I had these wedding rings. So I was married. Mm -hmm. People missed okay. that. Okay. Huh. And the wedding rings for the longest time were uh, a sensitive thing. Well, not, not sensitive. They were this, this connection, this tether yeah. to this past, what we had, right? And you got the rings to your left because she gave me the ring. She left. Mm -hmm. So I had two rings. 
And I went from being very sad about it, as in mm -hmm. kind of tears in my eyes looking at the rings, to being angry, like, I'm just going to bin them. I'm just going to throw them in the water. And then I got really, right. I got really practical. I was like, whatever these rings represented, they don't represent anymore. So now mm. what they are, they are no longer a symbol of trust and love. They are just pieces of precious metal. So I sold them. And with the money, I bought, not this one, but I bought my first camera and lens and microphone. And I started creating videos. So the reason I started the Magic Sauce YouTube channel was to take this, um, this kind of residual, not angst is a wrong word, but this, this energy which I had in me, which still was a little bit in me. Mm. And just, let's do something good with it. Let's do something cool with it. Let's just uh, have a bit of fun. And the way to kickstart that says, get rid of the rings, get rid of the rings. And I, I bought my first camera and I started creating videos. And it's something that I love doing. I do it like 30, 40 hours a week on top of the other work that I do. So wow. that, was a, that was a long winded story to basically say, yeah, I think we all in at some point in our life will hit something that will hit us so hard that we don't know what hit us. Uh, all mm. of us will have that to some level. It's not a competition. It's never about, oh, you think you've had it bad. Let me tell you about my story. It's not about that. Everybody will go through something like that. Yeah. And in that moment, you have a choice to either do something with that or to stay there and to say, this happened to me because something that's out of your control or it's unfair. Life mm. is unfair sometimes. It sucks. It's not always nice. So what yeah. would you do with it? So I, I like to believe I did something that's uh, positive for that. And I'm, uh, I'm having a good time. It's innovative, I can say, you know, I think a lot of us get, get bound by these things, you know, a wedding ring can be a very strong emotional connect to something mm. which happened mm. in the past. And you, you're using that to make it the sounding stone of something which you're now building up. That's, that's incredible, I guess. And that energy thing which you're talking about, which was inside you, yeah. I guess it, it reflects very well on your videos. So those who are curious to know, Thank you follow uh, Yuri on his YouTube channel. He makes incredible videos and I'm a fan of yours because of that. So I guess I this energy it. is very well channelized. It is very well mm. utilized and it is creating value for so many people. I guess so many of us taking advantage of that energy which you had. So great, Perfect. happy ending to the uh, to the story which you started. It's all about what you do with it, right? Hmm. Yeah, of course. So how does this whole idea of, um, so I guess you, you do a lot of work on virtual facilitation, facilitation, because of course you have spent so much time in this, uh, yep. but how comes this idea of creating the video on YouTube and uh, telling about how to create videos came to you? It really came about, um, people just started asking me, they'd be like, how, how do you do this? And how do you do this? And how do, what kind of light do you use? And how do you set up your camera? And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, here's how I do it. And video to me is an easy way to communicate. Just so you know, uh, with most of my partners I work with, I think we send like one email a year or something. I'm exaggerating, but we, we rarely send emails. We communicate through mm -hmm. uh, WhatsApp and through videos mm -hmm. because I find it easy to explain something. If I want to show you something about this lens, it's easy for me to just go show you here on camera. Mm -hmm than it is through anything else. So yeah. people ask me questions, I started creating videos. I enjoyed what I do. I put in a lot of time and effort. Um, I go overboard sometimes, as in a lot of the videos I make, some people say it doesn't have to be that complex, but I enjoy doing it. So I don't mind. I spent like 30 minutes looking for that one little sound of the right cat or something like yeah. stupid things <laughs> like that. But because right. I love doing it. It's, it's not particularly practical, but I enjoy doing it. And people just started asking me, so I share what I know. But there, yeah. there are many better people out there. I just, just, I'm just one. I'm just one person. A lot of people out there who can teach you about video making. I just share them 
my way, I guess. I, I, I totally, totally know. And in fact, it really helps. So I, I am so, I resonate so much with this because there are certain videos which I make, which are small videos, you know, the four minutes, four minutes, five minutes video. And I spend time in creating that layovers and making those effects. I love it. You know, you lose a grab of time. You get in the flow sometimes to actually, yeah. when you do these things, which you absolutely love. That's, that's fantastic. That's the thing. Yeah, that's your, that's your thing. So Yuri, what are you doing now? I, 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 I guess you're doing a podcast as well and you're doing something about virtual facilitation. So tell us something about it. Okay, so this year, as, as you both know, this year has been rough for many people. Mm -hmm. A lot of my initial work has been, an issue was postponed, was canceled because I got into this year, the first couple of months were filled with speaking engagements mm -hmm. and with okay. projects for clients. Now, of course, those, those went out of the window because conferences, so the speaking conferences were gone. Yeah, same um, here. Same, same there, yeah, same all over the world. So then it's like, okay, so what do we do? Um, my plan for this year was to keep doing my normal work over here. When I say my normal work, I either speak or I facilitate innovation. So that means either it's talks and conferences and stuff, mm -hmm. or it is projects. Projects could be um, help us rethink our business model. Uh, we want to launch a new alcohol beer, alcohol-free beer in China. How do we do this? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. process innovation, how do we digitize a traditional factory, like things like that. Typical projects. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't do these alone. I'm not that smart. I need to work with a group of people. But my plan was make money here, make sure the revenue comes in. And then mm -hmm. here, what I want to really build is more videos, more podcasting, like what you do over here. Yep. So most of this is gone this year. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, okay, well then let's, let's accelerate these things then. So mm -hmm. uh, consistently posting videos, I have a course on video making. Mm -hmm. which uh, people have been joining. I've got a virtual facilitation program, which is called Virtually Possible, which I set up with Leanne. So Leanne and I, like you and I met through LinkedIn, only in okay. June. Okay. Uh, Leanne is a facilitator in Australia. She has a lovely podcast called The First Time Facilitator. If there are facilitators watching, I would highly recommend The First Time Facilitator podcast. Um, and she got all these requests for virtual facilitation. People saying, I'm struggling with this. You know, we're, we're, on, we're on a screen. It's, I'm used to being in a room with people. How do we yes. do this? Yes. I was on a podcast and after that we got to chatting and she knows I like doing video stuff. She goes, hey, do you want to do something together? Do you want to do a, a partnership? I said, sure. And we built, in about three weeks, we built a program because my, my thing to her was, I'll only do it if we go incredibly fast. What I don't want is yeah. to create a business that will take nine months to get off the ground. I want to do something in, in, in a couple of weeks. Let's get a prototype and let's, and let's ask people for money. If people are going to mm. pay for this, mm. it, it's got legs because everybody likes yes. the idea, but is, are people going to invest in it? So we had a quick, we had 50 people, paid people signed up right away. And it's a learn-do program. So that's one program that we do. People learn about tool skills and confidence of virtual facilitation. So think about how do you set up your lighting? What kind of microphones can you use? How do you engage yes. people when you have people on a Zoom screen in different boxes? Hmm. What are some tools? What are some online whiteboards that you can use? How do you organize your materials, et cetera, et cetera? That's okay. that program. And it's a bit of learning and a lot of doing. So we have people practice sessions. Mm -hmm. And then I started, we say I started a podcast called The Rebel Rules, which to the original story is about rule breakers. I want to talk to people who don't fit the bill. People go against the grain in any field. Yeah. They don't have to be innovators. They don't have to be, um, you know, super disruptive, big name people. I'm looking for everyday yeah. people, like a teacher who against all odds with zero budget created a super cool program for kids around science or something. Yes. That's yeah. what I want to talk to. And that's, and I want to learn from people who, 
who do that because I think the world needs more rule breakers. Um, and, and not for the sake yes. of rule breaking, I don't believe in like anarchy and stuff. I think mm. rules are a challenge. And I think many societies still are not that welcome to people who think a bit differently. And I think it's important. We've seen this year that a lot of the structures, the systems, sometimes governments and government structures around us don't always work. They're not ready for these situations. They're not. And what that takes is it, it needs a rethinking. It needs somebody to go, hang on, that doesn't make any sense or asking different questions or what if we connected this company with that technology? What would that do? And that's, mm. what, that's what rebels do. That's what rule breakers do. Um, instigators, provocateurs. That's what it's all about. And they are needed in the society because those who have gone against the grain, they've always created, invented new things. Yeah. You, you read the history of innovation and you will always find it full of such amazing examples. So yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you're bringing those rule breakers, those rebels uh, to your podcast and sharing those stories. I'm going to definitely share the link of your podcast down awesome. below in the description. Uh, yeah. And I, I really want to take some some extract, some knowledge from you because you're here in the podcast today. First thing, can you give some tips uh, about the virtual facilitation and what, why I'm asking it? Because when we moved to virtual facilitation after yeah. April, I guess that's when the we started um, creating more uh, virtual activities, virtual team building activities, experiential yeah. learning activities. I guess the month of April, we struggled. We made so many mistakes, okay, because we have loyal customers. They they came to uh, the company and we tried out some things and some things went well, some things failed badly. We learned and it took a month and a half and many workshops to get, actually get what works and where, how can you engage people? And then, you know, you have believers following you. So it, it was a long month long process and, I'm, and definitely you have a whole program on it. I don't want you to open up all the secrets, but give me three, four tips, which a facilitator who is listening to the show will definitely get benefit from. Cool. That's a great question. And I think we've learned a lot. And just so you know, I'm still learning. For everybody listening to this, I'm by no means an expert. I've never called myself an expert. I never want to call myself an expert. And I'll tell you why. I think if I would call myself an expert, I might stop learning. And I'm really afraid of that. Uh, so I, I, I'd rather be a practitioner because there, there's, just, there's just new stuff all the time and we learn. And from the facilitation program that we run, I'll tell you, I've learned so much from the participants as well. So it's not just mm. let me tell you how you should do it. It's been like, let's learn together. So a couple yeah. of really practical tips. Um, you really have to reimagine and rethink everything you do in a physical space. I think what I've seen happen is, and it makes sense, a lot of people have taken the exact same format and the same tools and the same things and just put a camera on them, right? So the same yeah. timing, same breaks, same whiteboard. Now, that's a, that's a great way to start. Let's start with what you have. But what we quickly realize, a lot of those things just don't work. Mm. Um, so it, not everything translates. I, I don't think you should have people in a virtual meeting for eight hours. There are people who can keep people in a virtual setting for three days. Fantastic. If you can do that, I think that's amazing. But I would go like, why does it have to be that long? Can you break it up? Can you have little chunks of time? So it starts with reimagining um, your the way you break up your time, how you run your activities. And that right now, at the end of the year, there's lots of tools out there. There's, you go to YouTube, there's heaps of people where you can learn from that have all kinds of tools and techniques. So you can't just take whatever works in the physical world and just cram that into a camera. That, that's kind of the first one. Second one then is, um, you have to really be flexible because this is new-ish and we're still learning. I'm, and, and I've made the mistake where I get a bit too comfortable. Like I have, I found a way that works and then we just mm. do it that same way. 
uh, I'd keep challenging yourself a bit because every day there's new technology out there, there's new ways of doing things. It can get quite easy, particularly when you get busy to just regurgitate the same way, but mm -hmm. keep that learning mindset because it, we're still in this whole, it's still a transition. Uh, you know, in a couple of yeah. years, we'll look back at this like pioneering and maybe there'll be some new and different norms, which at least yeah. me to my third one. Technology is always in service of what you do rather than starting with technology. Technology is not going to change it. It's not going to change how well you facilitate. You can be the best facilitator in, sorry, you, you can be the worst facilitator in the world. Technology mm -hmm. is not going to make you better, right? By using yeah. some fancy Miro or Mural or Kumo space or any of those places. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. cool. People are like, wow, this is so much fun playing with maybe activities, maybe an online treasure hunt, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change how you facilitate like yeah. keep it simple start with really basic things use your facilitation skills first so what that means is have a super clear output have a have a clear agenda make sure people are engaged play with different gear so it shouldn't just be presentations it should be asking questions and a breakout and maybe do a poll mm -hmm. um, so technology is always in service of that rather than leading with technology yeah. i see lots of people going what is the tech i should use it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you were going to, my last tip then is, if you are going to invest in anything techie, uh, get a better microphone. Anybody gets mm. a better microphone when people hear you better, and maybe even a better camera, people can see you better, hear you better, it's easier for the brain to keep up. If the sound yes. is not that good, and if, if the imagery is a bit bad, um, mm. your brain basically has to work harder to understand what's going on. True. Um, True. Technology in service of, that's what I would say. Yeah, beautiful. In fact, and then that's that's the reality. You know, no matter how good you do, uh, the the audience is captivated in the sixteen by nine world. Yeah. Uh, you can't be there physically present. So if you have a good presence and if you have a good camera and or of course a microphone, that really adds to it. But you know what happens? And and my next question was about making videos, mm -hmm. but I guess you already answered a very interesting, th a very important thing here that a uh, lot of people who get into creating video or doing facilitation as well because i know a lot of us personally and i was one of them if we get into something called you know i, I heard this term on youtube called gas gear acquisition syndrome <laughs> i heard about that one yes the gas is like oh i get this light i get this camera i get this nice lens everything <laughs> lens yeah. you keep acquiring 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 and at the end of it you know you don't even use them well you know if you're not that's what happens. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and that, yeah. that, is, that is a very common thing because people usually ask me, what, what, what microphone do I use? What camera? Look, if you have a bit of money, yes, I would invest in it. So this microphone is about a hundred bucks as a condenser mic. You've got a nice lapel mic on you, which is nice and clear. I've, mm -hmm. I'm using a webcam. I can actually use this camera as a webcam and it looks really, really good. Mm -hmm. There's no limit to how much you can buy. And in all yeah. fairness, I'm pretty frugal with things. Believe it or not, yes, I've got a nice studio light over here because I, I do this every day. Mm -hmm. In general, I buy secondhand gear. So if anybody wants to buy things, it's called eBay, people. It's called eBay. Even on Amazon, there's lots of secondhand stuff. Do your homework, go on YouTube. So before you buy a camera or microphone, there's, yeah. some, kid, there's some kid in Ukraine or in Namibia or in Peru who will have like great reviews on camera A, B, and C. Do a bit of homework, find what's, what works. See if you can get a secondhand one. And learn mm -hmm. to play with that first. And once you play with that, you know how it works. Maybe you upgrade, but you don't you don't need it. I think it's just it will make things better for sure. But yeah. fundamentally, like start with the real basics. Like to start with the way you facilitate. Learn to be learn to have a better camera presence. You know, are you really fidgety in the camera? Or do you stand super still? How about mm -hmm. your voice? Is your voice really monotonous? 
Or can you yeah. play with tempo a bit in your expressions? Can you use props while you're doing your meetings over there? Can you take little whiteboards behind you, like this painting behind me? Like, can you use things around you? Yeah. You're making right. it a bit more engaging. It's usually, you know, my rule is always play with what you have first and then see where you can upgrade. So let's look, check. Before you go to the supermarket, you check your fridge, right? You're, do we sell have eggs? <laughs> Before <laughs> yes. It's the same here. It's the same here. And those who are still clueless, just watch his YouTube channel. You'll get a lot of idea with what is the real thing you need to do. So, uh, of course, uh, and, and I, one thing I really realized, uh, you, know, you just sent a post in LinkedIn one day that you've done five episodes of your podcast and you yep. were celebrating that. Yep. I, at that time, was on my 11th episode. I said, hey, I never mm -hmm. celebrated. So celebrating the small wins, I tell people in my workshops, but, you know, I missed on that one. And I see you are mm -hmm. a great example of that. I want you to tell, we are towards the end of the podcast, I want you to tell about that beautiful YouTube logo uh, which you created that award what was that can you, can you show that please All right. so <laughs> for people watching this I created my own YouTube award right it's got the YouTube logo and it says uh, presented to the magic sauce for surpass surpassing 1977 subscribers now wow. YouTube doesn't give these away right I made this myself and I'll tell you why uh, first of all, this is made of putty, which I bought for like $5. I made this myself and almost set my kitchen on fire because <laughs> I put this clay in the oven and I accidentally set it to microwave, which by the way is a really bad idea. So I was sitting in the living room and I smelled burning plastic. So oh my this God. is my second one. So the first one is done. 1977 is just a year I was born. It's just a random number. I like random numbers. I don't think numbers always have to be exact. So all my meetings are 21 minutes. They're 43 minutes. So it was like odd times. Mm -hmm. uh, why did I create this award? Uh, because I like to believe you have to celebrate small wins. YouTube, the first one you get from YouTube, it's called a play button. I think your first one you get at 10,000 subscribers, I think. I'm, I like, so. I'm at three and a half. So I'm, I'm still very, very small. Um, because I think you need to celebrate small wins. And the reason it's kind of rough, rough and ready, it's an Ikea frame with a piece of paper behind it, something I printed myself and a piece of, piece of clay, which I glued on. Is because mm -hmm. it's a, it's a gentle reminder to celebrate small steps as you go. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I don't think you should overindulge, but I think mm -hmm. you can celebrate by doing small things. Um, so five podcasts down, that's a start. Everybody will say like, well, wait till you get a hundred. Sure. Okay. That's fine. But yes. a hundred, there's nothing wrong with that. And, it and again, it doesn't have to be big. I might just buy myself a piece of cake, a piece of apple pie. Um, you know, I might, uh, <coughs> you know, whatever, go for a massage or something like something small, or just a little post. Yes. And I always recommend other people to do that, um, without overly patting yourself on the back, but why not? You're making progress. Like every step you take forward is a, is, is a step. I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of people who just keep going consistently yeah. posting and learning. Even if you are so-called failing, that's fine. I make mistakes all the time. Who doesn't? The worst thing is if you don't shoot at all, right? If you, if you don't create anything. So that's why the small wins are there. The small wins are there just to remind me of, I've done something. Yeah, I'm not the greatest, you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, blowing, right. blowing smoke up on bum, but it's a step. It's a, it's a small achievement. And, and it is so important. And that's why I asked this question, because all of us should know while we are isolated a little more because of the lockdown, though it is open, but still people are not going out that much. Yeah. Uh, and we're creating content, we are posting stuff. It may be demotivating if you have posted something and you just have got five likes today. It is absolutely possible. And you know, there's one day when you have just gone, uh, you've broken all the barriers and you know, 
you have likes and posts and comments yeah. are coming all of that is possible but if we are consistent if you're celebrating those small wins you should celebrate you know just last week one of my posts got 52 um reactions on linkedin that's a lot i yeah. i shared it to a couple of my friends that this was my first post which crossed 52 uh, i'm not getting demotivated demotivated by people who are having hundreds of likes it's fine i'll reach there one day but 52 is a good number yeah. so why not celebrate it and that is so important to as a reminder that's why i asked. thank you so much for sharing that and, it, and it's, it's also what you do with it right so it interject but it's also what you do with it because when it comes to posting and people liking you it's also about who you're doing it for. I'm doing this mm. for me. I'm doing mm. it even if nobody watches my videos, I don't really care because I enjoy making them so much that I'll do it. I'll do them anyway. Yeah. And, and when, when it comes to people, you know, if you compare yourself to other people, and you know, particularly for a younger generation, or maybe adults as well, particularly for a younger generation, just compete with yourself, man. I mean. Forget about other people. Everybody started somewhere. Like the, the best yeah. people we see, the best cricket player in the world, the best business people, the best dancers, they all started somewhere. And they probably sucked into being like most of us. And that's okay. You know, that's just purely part of it. And sometimes people say, let's say video making. A lot of people want to create video, but they're on the fence, right? They're like, well, what if I create a video and I look stupid? And I, <laughs> I, I usually say when people say, they go like, what if I post something and, and nobody likes it? People laugh at me. And I always go like, sorry, I hate to break your heart, buddy, but nobody's going to watch your content. <laughs> and then <laughs> they go like, well, that's very demotivating. I said, but I mean it in a very good way because nobody's paying attention to you yet. You can do whatever you want. Nobody cares. You can make mm. you can change your channel every day. You can go from talking yes. about leadership to change management to entrepreneurship to tech. Nobody cares right. because nobody's paying attention. So right. while you're in that sandpit, and you're getting your hands dirty, just play, make a mess. Nobody can, nobody's watching. That by, the yeah. time, that by the time you keep going, that by the time you've got something substantial, that's when you're going to get the attention. And by the time people are paying attention, they go like, oh, look at this guy. He's doing a pretty good job. He's interesting or he's different. You have to be the best. If you're not the best, be different. Just keep going. Like that's, I, I mean it in a very motivating way. When nobody's paying attention, perfect. That's this place. What a place to start. Of course, I must tell you something, um, Yuri. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in my life being on stage because I started very early with theater oh, and other things. And, uh, you know, I, 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 of course, had a patch on my life of eight years, which was completely corporate. I was in sales and uh, business process and all of these things. But then I, I came back with facilitation to the stage. All well. But after the lockdown in, I guess in the month of April or May, I wanted to make my first video being on the camera. I was on camera previously as well, because yeah. I write some poetry and I have recorded my poems and uh, shared uh, on screen. But when it came to speaking on the camera, I froze for the first time. Okay. And a lot of people don't know about it. You know, my first video I made on change and I spoke about a change cycle, uh, how change happens and how we go through the grief cycle. I took some 12 retakes before I started. It took 12 retakes because I was completely uncomfortable. As if you know, when you go to YouTube and you go to open up, uh, it is much bigger than an audience of 50 or 100 people in that room. It's going public. Yeah. Everybody can watch, it can, yeah. it can, it may go viral. People will see everything which you have done. So of course that threat is there that you're, you're scared inside that should I do it? And it mm -hmm. is such a real thing, but of course, if we get this mindset, which you're talking about that, Hey, who knows you right now? And who is watching you? 
Who cares? Just do it, and then you will grow. Uh, you will get the confidence with 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 the process, with the flow. Yeah, incredible. And, and twelve retakes. I think my first thing was my first one was one hundred and twelve retakes, and I'm not even <laughs> kidding. No, it, I think my first video. I'll tell you what. My first video took me two years. Because oh it, my god! Of course, because I kind of had it, but then oh, I can't post this. I look stupid. So then I did it again, then I did it again, did it again. And it literally took me two years. And then once it was off, the way I do things, which work for me is I just start telling people I'm going to do something. I'll go like, okay, that's what I do now, right? So, oh, as of the 1st of October, I'm going to be launching my podcast. I don't have any idea oh, what yet. Scary. Post it. Because now people are going to go, weren't you going to do a postcard, podcast? And then I go, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> and then you just got to figure it out. And then last minute you get something done and then... Uh, See what you like, and and you know, and you're gonna figure out on you know because some people want to get it right. You're never gonna get yes. it right if if you don't get started. So, right, and, and you know, as Richard Burson said once that you know, if somebody asks you, do you know how to do this? Say yes, and then figure it out. Figure it out. So exactly. I'm I'm doing something very similar. So very soon I'll I'll come up with the announcements and as well with my program. Great. So fantastic uh, being with you, Yuri. So much to learn from you. And when it comes to transformation, you had a major one, of course. And you're still going on with it. It is because it's not one-time process. It is uh, something which keeps coming back to you and you completely mm. transform and you bounce back and you give it back uh, your way. So I guess you have done it um, in an amazing way, Yuri. So I'm so impressed to know that story. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to show you one little thing because this thing is of significance to the story I told you. Because first of all, I've never told a story to anybody. Well, I've told the story to, to somebody. I've never told the story publicly. Wow. This, this here, yeah. mm -hmm. this is uh, Hebrew. This freely translated, this means um, out with the old, in with the new. Out with things that no longer serve you, in with new and better things. So this is just a daily reminder of, first of all, things should always change. And just bring in, bring in new and better vibes. If your bad vibes are not working, then bring in new ones. So the circle of life is always open. It's not perfect. And this mm. kind of freely translated means just get rid of things that don't serve you. Bring in new and better. That's, wow, that's powerful. <laughs> I, see I see this every getting day. Getting a tattoo, yes. Yeah. It's just right here reminding you every mm. day. Such an inspiration. Fantastic, Yuri. You have added so much value to this show. If somebody wants to learn from you about virtual facilitation or creating video, how can we find you? The easiest way people can find me, you can also go to YouTube and just look up the magic sauce, sauce as in hot sauce, the magic sauce on YouTube, or you can go to virtuallypossible.co. That's all about virtual facilitation and the program that we are running. We're not going to run one until January again. So virtuallypossible.co or just look up uh, the magic sauce. You find me there, drop me a line, easy to find. Fantastic. Great. We'll definitely put your links right here. Great. It was lovely talking to you, Yuri. Thank, thank you so much. so much for coming to this. Uh, I really love that. Thanks a lot. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I think you're on a great journey. I look forward to uh, being part of your journey more going forward. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. So guys, this was Yuri. And we can see how beautifully he has used the innovative mindset, the innovative thinking in transforming his life by picking up the pieces of the broken bowl of his life and pasting it with gold and how incredibly he is helping so many others to find value through facilitation tips and video creation tips. Guys, if you think today's episode was helpful in some way, if you learned something today, do share it with others. I'll come back again next Wednesday with one more Transformer. Till then, goodbye.